You're listening to Arrowhead Radio. He doesn't love us because we're good. He loves us because he's good. You can't steer a boat that's not moving. We, need, we as Christians, we need to start opening our mouths. And it says that he who believes on the Son has life, and he that does not believe um, does not have life, and the wrath of God abides on him. Uh, to me, one of the greatest things God did to me was give me peace, give me a hope, give me a promise. And I thought, I have eternal life. I'm, I'm bound for heaven, and it's, it's forever. I'm Mark Dana. And I'm Venus Cote. And this is Hope to the Nations. So nice to have with us here today, uh, Joshua Sone. It's nice to meet you and have you here. Um, so you were telling me earlier that you're from Peru. Yes. And, uh, you're presently in Arizona right now. Yes. Because all of us dealing with the COVID, the, it changes our lives. It kind of uh, puts restrictions on us here and opens up new, da- new doors in other areas. So here you are now, and we're very glad to have you here. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes, I, I am from Peru, and uh, we're kind of stranded here in the U.S. in Arizona right now. This is a home uh, place of my wife, Missy. So we are here with our children, and we're visiting them, and, well, we got stranded. But it's good. God is in control of our lives. And uh, I know that uh, if I wasn't here, maybe we wouldn't be able to have this opportunity. Absolutely. And you, we were also talking about the, uh, you have a, a head headdress, I guess you call it, although it's not like... <laughs> Well, uh, the the Andes uh, the, uh, in Peru, the families uh, like right now they call us the Quechua people. Yes. The Quechua people, we are the largest uh, native group in the Americas. Uh, probably in the five countries, we are more than forty million people, and each uh, families or clans they have different type of clothing. So in the past, in the Inca times, that's one way to recognize where you are from and uh, which family you belong to. So uh, each family, we have uh, our uh, hats and our clothing. So so that's how we know each other. And uh, this particular uh, hat is called chuco in my language. And uh, in English, it will be called uh, like a helmet. And uh, my mom made it like 30 years ago, and uh, I still use it. It's great to be able to represent your family that way. Really, uh, the pattern is very intricate. The colors and very, very nice. I love the colors. It's great that you can, you can know who's in your family, too, or who's not. Yes, yes. Yeah. Having you here today is a privilege, and I never, we really didn't talk too much about your, uh, your story, like, here we are in North America, and I'm from northeastern United States and Canada, and you're from Peru. And yes. And mountains, right? Exactly. How did God start his work in your life? When did you first 
recognize that God was at work? Well, uh, at the early age, um, I know that my people, the Inca people, and of course, you know by history that we encountered the Spanish people. Yes. And the Spanish came to my country, uh, not necessarily to bring the gospel or the name of Jesus, but they came with other agenda. Uh, I think they are coming more for gold and silver and things like that. So uh, what they did is uh, they... Uh, made so much damage to the Inca people in the name of Christ. And uh, they killed my people in the name of Christ because the excuse was the evangelization or Christianization of America. And um, of course, the Incas were the first in contacting. With that understanding, uh, I grew up thinking that Christians, uh, and my, my grandpa used to always uh, tell me when uh, he was young, when they heard the Christians are coming, they will escape because that means death is coming. So for me, since I was a little boy, it was really hard to understand how Christians can be so evil and uh, mm -hmm. how they can kill uh, people in the name of Christ. Uh, it, it, it was difficult. It was difficult to hear those uh, stories uh, yes, from my yes. grandfather. And uh, pretty soon, uh, there was a time that missionaries started coming to Peru in, in the 1950s. And this okay. is the Presbyterian missionaries. Okay. So God orchestrated in a way that my grandfather Justiniano Kikanya heard the gospel, but he didn't want to believe in, in, in Jesus Christ because for him, Jesus Christ was the enemy, the God of our enemies. And how can we accept Jesus Christ? But there was a series of events that happened in his life that praise the Lord. Yes. He, he understood that Jesus came for us too. Not only for the Spaniards or other people, but he came for us too. And uh, it was not long after that that he went looking for the uh, so-called evangelicals. They didn't call themselves Christians, they called them evangelicals. And uh, he gave his life to Christ. And so he became a believer uh, in Jesus Christ. And uh, soon after yes. that, I heard my mother came to accept Jesus Christ. So when I was born, they were already believers. So I am a third generation of a believer in my family. But for me, it was difficult to accept Jesus just like that. And I grew up resented because uh, to me it was that we need to fight to okay. recuperate our freedom. Yeah, you're kind of uh, an activist then. Exactly, exactly. So when I start going, uh, probably my years of 15, 16, I start robbing people. And uh, I start uh, robbing drug dealers because okay. I thought that they're doing bad anyways. And there's so much poor people, uh, my people, there's so much widows and orphans. I used to steal and uh, I used to give to the 
to the people because I knew that's the only thing I knew how to help. Okay. Uh, because for me, Christ, Christ was far away, and I didn't want to believe in Christ because I thought oh, it's good for my grandfather, for my mother, but uh, that's not gonna change our country. That's not gonna change our people. Mm -hmm. By the time I was 18 years old, uh, in one of the raids of drug dealers in the jungle of Peru, I was cut. I was taken to the police. Uh, they tried to kill me first, but uh, they couldn't. That, this is the hand of God, because they, they tried to shoot me three times with a shotgun, but the shotgun didn't fire. Uh, now I know it was uh, the hand of God. But I was sentenced to 15 years in prison because there were so many well, dead people, and they, they accused me of, uh, about a lot of things, and I ended up in prison. So 18 oh, years I old, know. I was sentenced to 15 years in prison. Yeah. So I was one year in prison when uh, I, I was trying to escape. I was trying, because I didn't want to stay for 15 years in prison. I wanted to escape, and um, I was planning to do that. But for some reason, it didn't happen. So... What, what was it like inside a Peruvian prison? Oh, terrible, terrible. When I see when I see the U.S. prison, uh, and I'm sure in Canada, ah, they 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 are like in, they're living in hotels. Right. <laughs> but we, we were in, in in a little place, maybe not even 500 feet, but we're like 400 people there. We're so packed, we couldn't even move. And uh, the only th the on only way was when we go out. We had a little place at in the mornings to maybe walk around but uh, when, when you go at night to bed you can it's almost like you are sleeping from uh, on top of each other it was awful it was awful it must have been yeah so for me the only way to uh, avoid all that is to escape and i plan i plan to escape the night came and uh, it didn't happen it didn't happen and i didn't know why it didn't happen that night, I, I was so frustrated. I saw this light coming through the walls. And it was so, so bright, this, this light. It probably was like a one in the morning, two in the morning. Mm -hmm. And everybody was asleep. This light comes to me. I could see him, but I couldn't see his face because it was so bright like the sun in the noonday. And, uh, uh, and like uh, Saul of Tarsus. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Yes, and he said to me, I am Jesus. I am here. I, uh, oh, why you are doing all these things? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't want to believe in Jesus. I, I, for me, Jesus didn't exist. Mm. So he says, uh, uh, I, I want you to follow me. And I'm going to forgive your sins. And he had a roll in his uh, shoulder, underarm, not his shoulder, in his underarm. He opened it. It was a roll, like a scroll, and he opened it. And he, everything I did was there. Oh. And he says, uh, I'm going to forgive you, but you must follow me. Mm. And I'm going to free you, and I'm going to free you from this prison also, but you must follow me. Uh, I, I couldn't say anything because the, the, it, it, I was like in a shock because I, did, I didn't want to see that. 
I just, uh, the tears start coming through my, in my eyes and uh, I say, thank you. And he left. So that evening, I pray for the first mm -hmm. time. The best I could because I heard my mom praying always. Yes. I heard my grandfather praying, my, my brothers praying. But uh, honestly, I didn't know how to pray. But I, 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 I went and, uh, to him in prayer and I say, I don't know if you came tonight. I don't know if you're real. I don't know if it was you, Jesus. But if you give me a proof, I will follow you yeah. the rest of my life. And I say to him, if my father comes tomorrow to visit me, because my father never came to visit me. I was more than a year already in prison. And I say, if my father comes tomorrow to see me, I know you exist. I know mm -hmm. you. And I will follow you the rest of my life. So that morning, I, of course, I, I got up so nervous. I didn't know what to do. And um, I didn't know what to expect, actually. So the visitors came until noon. And the noon came, and no one came for me. So I was excited already. I said, ah, there's no Jesus, there's no God. That's, that's the belief of my grandfather. And uh, I didn't finish my thoughts when they said, Joshua, you have a visitor. And uh, of course, I was nervous. I, I, did, I didn't know, but I still hope it wasn't my father. <laughs> because my father was a preacher. And uh, he was the one preaching in the Andes. And I knew he will not come. But I went anyways to the door. And guess what? Behind the bars, my dad was standing there. I, I, when I saw him, I just didn't know what to do. And I, I, I couldn't speak. And my dad says, are you okay, Joshua? So I said, yes, dad, I'm okay. Are you sure you're okay? So, yes, Dad, I'm okay. So he says, well, I don't know what's happening. But your mom had a dream about you last night. Really? And uh, she cried all night for me to come to see you because she said it's important for you to go see him. And I didn't want to come. Mm. You know, I'm busy with the churches and uh, there's nobody taking care of the churches. And I was going to go in trouble to, to these churches, but it was so much the tears of your mother. So in the morning I said, okay, I'm going to go see you. So when I went to the place where the cars come to this place, because I was far from our place where we live. Yes. And uh, he said, suddenly there is a new car that came. And he says, are you going to San Miguel? So I said, yes. So they said, come, we're going to take you. So we got here just in time. It was 12. And uh, I got out and I was running because I didn't want to be late. I wanted to see you. And I didn't even say thank you. So I turned back to say thank you. But nobody was there. Mm. So he said, I don't know what's happening, Joshua. Are you sure you're okay? So I said, Dad, I'm okay. Tell my mom I'm okay. So my dad left. But that day, I went to the corner of the prison. I kneeled down. 
because for the first time I knew that my Lord lives. And I give my life. And I said, Lord, I will follow you the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I got up a new person. And uh, I, I guess I was so excited. I started telling everybody about Christ. And uh, I started preaching in prison. And I, I, I started telling the, the prisoners about Jesus. And people started coming to the Lord. A year later, I was free. I came out from prison and uh, I was sent to the U.S. and I went to Bible school. So you were saying before that you um, you had this concept of Jesus being part of the, the oppressors, uh, you know, the ones that were oppressing your people and you wanted nothing to do with him. So exactly. You had, this, you had this encounter with this vision type experience and then all of the circumstances that happened how did that change your vision of Jesus after that well I think for me personally I know that there's a lot of Christians they've been lead uh, to Christ by someone else mm-hmm. yeah for some reason to me Jesus himself came mm-hmm and he presented himself to me. I didn't believe at the, at, at the time, but when I saw my father. So to me, Jesus is real, because who can do that? He, 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 he's my Lord, and uh, I, I say I, that, that moment I'm gonna be, believe and I'm, I'm gonna follow you the rest of my life, and this is what I'm doing. And for me, there's, there's no second thoughts. And I I guess I'm like Paul. I saw him, and I follow him, and uh, nobody will change that uh, in me. Do you think that somebody was praying for you? Of course. My mom was praying for me always. My grandfather was uh, praying always. Let me tell you this. My grandfather, he was a wonderful Christian, a powerful Christian. He was feared by the priests, the Catholic priests, because somehow he learned Latin. Because you know, in those times, we didn't have Bibles in Spanish. No. We didn't have Bibles in in my language. The only Bible that the Catholic Church had was in Latin. So if if you wanted to know about God, you have to learn Latin. And you have to be very, very well educated to do that. But my grandfather learned Latin. And with the uh, Catholic Bible, he will go to the priest and he will tell them, you have blind my people. You lie, you lied to my people. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came for us too. And he will show them in the Bible. And the priest will not like to talk to him. If they see him in the street, they will escape. But that's my grandfather. I know he was praying for me. Because when I came came out from prison, a week later, I went to see him first. And he was standing in a big rock, tending his sheep. He saw me. And I went to him, and he wept. This is the first time I saw my grandfather crying. And he, he says, Joshua, 
I am the one who give you your name. Because when you are born, you are very different to other little babies. Mm-hmm. You came out by yourself from the womb of your mother. Mm-hmm. You pull yourself out and when I saw that, I saw that God was giving us a totally, totally different child, a mm-hmm. blessed, blessed child. Yeah. And I knew that you'll be the one taking our people to the promised land. And okay. I, I, I couldn't understand then. And okay. he, that's why I give you the name Joshua from the Joshua of the Bible. Right. Because you're going to take our people. And I didn't understand it. But this is the last time I saw my grandfather. Because in 1980, uh, 85, he was uh, murdered. He was killed by the Shining Path terrorists because, of course, because he believed in Christ, he preached Christ. And uh, the Shining Path movement was, uh, of course, targeting Peru, especially the Quechua people. This, this is socialist, a communist ideology, and they didn't want Christians. So my grandfather, they uh, they killed my grandfather. They, they didn't only kill him, they they took his eyes out while he, he was still alive. They took his tongue so he won't speak no more about Jesus. And they opened his uh, chest and pulled his heart out while he was alive. So that's how he gave his life to Christ. I, I didn't see him. Uh, my hope is that I will see him in heaven. <laughs> Sometimes I still dream about him. And uh, I know I will see him. So this is my grandfather, and uh, this is the legacy that uh, we had. What was his name? Justiniano. Justiniano, okay. So he would be considered a martyr for Christ. Of course, he was. Yes, yeah, he was killed because he believed in Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes. That's a that's a rich in your family. What about the people you meet, like in North America, your wife's tribe, your wife is from the Hopi tribe. What would you tell your wife's relatives about how God works in a family? A lot of times with the native people, it's not necessarily that you have to go and tell them about Jesus. Okay, yeah. I, I think the best thing to do is uh, how they see you living for Christ, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, how different you are. Uh, I, I'm really surprised, like, from the family of my wife, that they respect us so much. And for any, any situation, they always call us, and, and they say, can you guys come? Counsel oh, us. Sure. What can we do? I think I learned that respect, even though I'm not uh, native from this country. Mm-hmm. But I think they had seen the way we live. They, ha- they have different understanding about Christianity because even like me in Peru when I was young, and there's still many in Peru that they're resented with the history and everything. And yeah, I'm yeah. sure I see the same thing here in the U.S. Yeah. But uh, sometimes uh, as a Christians, we can say a lot of things with our mouth. 
Yes. But how we live tells totally it, different thing. It is if they could see Jesus in, in us. Exactly. And for me, that, that was uh, very important. And a lot of people in, in the U.S. asked me, Joshua, what's your strategy? Why there's so many churches in Peru? Because uh, we establish hundreds of churches, uh, not only among the Quechua people, but mm -hmm. among other indigenous groups uh, or nations in Peru. Oh, that's so, great. so they ask me, what's your strategy? So I say, I don't have no strategy. Mm -hmm. But one thing I know is, my Lord lives. Mm. Jesus, my Savior, lives. And I need to live for him. So my, I guess if you can call my philosophy, it's not, I, I am not evangelizing people. That's not my business. Mm -hmm. yep. I can show them Christ. I can show them my life, how I believe in Christ. Yep. That's, that's the business of the Father, to bring the people to himself. Mm -hmm. But what I do is this. Like, for example, there was this young man, young couple, they say to me, Pastor Joshua, I want to be a pastor. Can you teach me? And this is from so many. And I say, well, it, it is a very hard question you ask. I think you should think about it. And he said, why? And uh, he says, uh, so I say, because... To be a pastor is, you're not going to have life for yourself. Mm. You're going to have life for other people. But he says, no, but I still want to be a pastor. So I say, okay, the only way I can teach you to be a pastor is you come to live with me. That's disciples. You guys come to live with me for yeah. one year, two years, three years, I don't know. And okay. one day... If you still want to be a pastor, I will ordain you as a pastor. Because you will see how I live. You will see how I treat my wife. You mm. will see how I treat my children. Because outside of my house, I can be a totally different person. But in my house, I can be a totally different person too. So, if you're still interested, <laughs> I ordain you. And uh, yeah. this, this is the type of ministry I do. That, that so I, I can hear in the background a, a Bible verse when Jesus said, if you, if you want to follow me, you have to uh, leave your, everything behind. And, and then he invited Peter and uh, I think it was Andrew to see him where he lives it's, exactly because he's called us god's called us to make disciples exactly and the only way to make disciples is to live with them yes and uh, so if if you want to call a strategy i guess this this is this was my strategy but it wasn't a strategy of my own mm -hmm. yeah. uh, i had a great pastor that um, when I used to attend church in the U.S., and uh, when I was ready to go back to Peru, I went to him and I said, Pastor, can you 
mentor me because I want to go back to Peru to teach my people. He, he grabbed a book and he gave it to me. The book was called Jesus, the Disciple Maker. Yes. And uh, he said, Joshua, read this and you will know what to do. So I said, okay. <laughs> so I didn't read it at the time, but when I was in Peru, I started reading it the way how Jesus made disciples. Mm-hmm. And discipleship is not necessarily that um, uh, you can come for three days, you can come for uh, a week, but it's how you live with the people. Yes. And uh, in the beginning of my ministry in Peru, we moved to back to Peru in 1995. Mm-hmm. And what God did is bring uh, people to, to me, young people and the people of different ages. But I had eight people that live with me we, and they walk with me. We, we will do ministry together. We sleep together and... This is the type of a ministry uh, I, I start doing. Yeah. And uh, God start multiplying people because they start having also people from themselves. But uh, you know what? Mm. I start thinking because uh, I start complaining when I come home to my wife. And I will say, Missy, you know what? You know these guys? Now they think like me. They want to do things like me, and I don't like it. <laughs> because I couldn't see it. I was like, um, I'm the leader, and they're the followers. Uh-huh. This is the understanding that I was having at that time. And my wife, one day she says, but that's not discipleship? So uh-huh. I said, wow, really, that's what it is. And yes. I think sometimes we can... Uh, we can misunderstand. I think the only job that we can do is how can we teach others? How, they, how others can see what we do? I, I was never in the business of establishing churches. God established churches because he used people like them. And the, the, they're the ones that uh, start new churches in Peru. That's wonderful because I, I really that churches are, the church is an answer to many, many of the questions we, we've been asking about, you know, social problems, drugs, alcohol, because the church is disciples of Jesus, right? Exactly. It's being disciples of Jesus and discipling other people or mentoring them can have a great impact. Exactly. I, I really appreciate how you bring that out. I was just kind of going to look at Matthew 28. Sometimes we kind of get that a little bit wrong on our emphasis, I I think. We put the emphasis on the evangelization, which God wants us to do, to tell the good news. But he, he wants us to make disciples. Is there someone in particular you were able to invest in that has been a blessing to you? Oh, yes. Many, many of them, but of course I have uh, uh, individuals close to my heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the way we uh, see in the, in the year 2000, I, I read an article in Charisma here in the U.S. Yes. And uh, they say uh, the Quechua churches are uh, spreading throughout the Andes 
because the work of Joshua sounded. There's 200 churches now. And I say, who's following me to count churches in Peru? Only Americans can do that. I, I don't even know how many churches are in Peru, but uh, of course I saw the numbers and I, I say, but at that time, I didn't know how to organize because uh, when churches uh, like that are growing, it becomes powerful. There's people that they start coming uh, because they're interested in numbers. And uh, yes, in the indigenous people, it's this understanding that of one man, the leader, because in our tradition, the Inca was the leader of the whole empire. Mm -hmm. He was like a king. Right. So I saw that people always start looking at me like that, like a pope. I, I, I didn't like that. I, I, I didn't want that. And I, one, one time I was visiting here at the U.S., I was struggling and I asked uh, Brother Huron, Brother Tom Claus, how, mm -hmm. what can I do? But at that time also it was there, uh, Kenny Jackson. Uh, right, uh, I know Kenny. And uh, oh, he, he was uh, uh, in the dorm. He came to me and he said, Joshua, why are you struggling so much? And he opened the Bible and uh, he showed me about Moses and Jethro. And he says, this is how Jethro taught Moses. Because he was in the same situation like you. Oh, wow. I really appreciate that. Because uh, yeah. nobody taught me in uh, Bible school or anywhere. But God used individuals like Kenny Jackson. For me, that was eye-opening. I knew I, I, I read the Bible. I, I'm sure I read many times the story, but I didn't get it. So I, I organized my people in that way. So right now, like uh, we have uh, 70 leaders that oversee okay. what we call taxasuyos, the small regions. Okay. And I have 24 leaders that oversee the bigger regions. And I have eight leaders that this is the, my, the, the first, I guess you can call disciples, that we start together, the ministry, and they are the ones like the elders of the organization. Thank you, Thank you for bringing that out because that is so important. It's not one, the work of one person. Or no, no, no. It's the, the church of Jesus Christ, right? So exactly, exactly. And people so, have different gifts. Because uh, people can idolize you. They can see you as the only one. No, Jesus is the only one. We are, yeah. we are nothing. We are followers of Jesus. And the, our, our opportunity in this world is to teach them to trust and follow him. Myself, I'm, every day, I'm uh, humble before God. And uh, my desire is to learn to be a good follower of Jesus Christ. That's it. I'm afraid that maybe some of the misunderstanding comes from the Western churches or the, the churches in the you know Western Hemisphere about the one one man being the head of of the the church, whereas I see it the church as being well the Bible teaches it's a body right so the exactly. body one head but it's it's not the pastor it's it's Jesus Amen Amen and um. 
we have a few more minutes here. I think you have to leave us in a few minutes, you said. <laughs> well, I, I, can, I can be here until 8. Okay, good. Oh, that's my time. Uh, 12, I guess, in your time. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to uh, read Matthew 8 in verses 18 to 20. And then maybe you could uh, comment after. All authority in heaven and on has been given to me. And that's, that's Jesus saying this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. Amen. Amen. Yes. So discipling for his glory. Amen. Well, I think, uh, brother, uh, this is something important for all of us because we are followers of Jesus Christ. And yes. what Jesus is telling us is uh, to go. And I think in one part says uh, we should start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world. But yes. sometimes I think uh, missions starts upside down. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes we forget our Judea. And right. uh, uh, for me, this was very important. Mm. I need to evangelize my people first. Yes. Because uh, Jesus is commanding me to go make disciples. The only way to make disciples that the, the way we were talking earlier is to show them. To show them who Christ is. To show them that uh, he, he's the one that's in control of our lives. And uh, nothing goes by chance. I know when I see my people, sometimes our situation is not great. How can I teach people about this Jesus that cares of them? And the gospel sh shouldn't be only one-sided. Because for many years, I heard missionaries talking about only the spiritual side. Yeah. But how about the material side? Mm -hmm. They're poor. They cannot educate their children. They cannot do anything. Yeah. And it's hard to believe in this powerful God. So what can we do as, as, as Christians? And uh, Because discipleship, it, it shouldn't be only to how I can grow someone spiritually, but how can I grow him in the whole? whole person exactly and this is what what we did in Peru not only preaching the gospel teaching the gospel discipling but also helping them how can we better farm how can we do better animal husbandry yeah and, uh, how can we manage the, uh, the resources that God is giving to us because we as a Christians we must have dignity exactly and that that reminds me of the, the verse that we are made in image, and part of that is how we use our resources and how we use our minds and our bodies and all that you're talking about. Exactly. And, uh, and I saw, yeah, yes, I saw miracles. There's places that there was nothing. Animals are dying. Mm -hmm. But as Christians, we become more and more understanding about the promise of God because we have the word of God we have our Bible our Quechua Bible mm, yes, and uh, yes. 
literally, brother, these places that were a desert, there's no water, there's no nothing. Even springs come out from, uh, from the underground. Yeah. As people start praying and trusting God, and uh, those these places are like a paradise now. It's kind of like the Garden of Eden happening all over again. Yes, this is what God is teaching us to do. Yeah. It's show, showing them. For me, the Quechua people was my people that I need to evangelize. I need to help. I need to do everything as a Christian. But uh, God started opening doors to other indigenous groups, like uh, other indigenous tribes from, uh, from the jungle. That the, your Judea? Your exactly. Judea? Exactly. Mm -hmm. But I didn't like it at the first time. And I say to God, what? I'm not going to go over there. Uh -huh. I, my responsibility is to my people. But little by little, I start understanding. If there is 90 people listening to this, I, I would like to tell you this. My wife is Hopi. She's from, from North America. The natives from the jungle, they heard that my wife was American. And you know what the, 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 their question was? They couldn't believe that my wife wasn't white because from America comes only, from the U.S. comes only white person. So they wanted to meet her. One, one time I was uh, traveling, I think I was going to Holland, and they stopped me in the, in the airport in Lima, Peru. And I saw these strange indigenous people, and they came to me and they say, we heard that your wife is from the U.S. So I say, yes, she's from the U.S. And uh, they say, and they told us that she looks like us. So I say, yes, she looks exactly like you. And she says, we don't believe that. <laughs> but if you bring her and we can yeah. see her, we will believe. We, we went to them, even though I didn't want to go, because the jungle is total environment for me. But God opened the door. And this is how God opened the door for one indigenous woman from the U.S. Not even from Peru. Yeah. Many times I said, I'm not missionary among my people or in the Peru. My wife is. I am from Peru. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, sometimes we think we are so little when God is so great. The Lord has uh, used that in order to enter the jungle. And right now we work with nine people groups in the jungle. And we're establishing churches and in these people groups that they are totally different from one another, totally mm -hmm. different language from one another. Still, when I go to the jungle, I, I don't like it. I don't like the heat. I don't like the mosquitoes. I don't like uh, the food. Uh, sometimes in the morning, I will wake up. My eyes will be shut because mosquitoes has uh, finished my face. Uh, they're swollen and uh, it's totally different environment. And the food is, uh, they feed you alligators and monkeys. And it's totally different. But why yes. I go there? I go for the people. I go because Christ loves them. I think, like you say, that's our Judea. I'm here now, and uh, I'm discipling people. I'm, I'm uh, telling them uh, about people. So also, I travel to other, other countries, and uh, I, I tell, but this is God. This is not us. Okay. And I've been in Canada different times. 
I, I went from one uh, end to the other end with uh, Brother Bud Elford. He took, oh, me to, did. Yes. he took me to a lot of different churches. So I, I have dear friends in Canada. Wonderful. Yeah, like Bill Jackson is still, uh, he's still our supporter. He's the only one who supports us in the ministry economically. We still pray for them. We still pray for the, the Canadian churches. So, so God, God has opened all that. Yes, God's family is all over the, all over the world, right? Exactly, exactly. And he is a good father. And I'm sorry that Venus couldn't get on because she must be quite disappointed. She's the one that set this interview up. And yes, yes. Get on. I'm sorry about that. But thank you so much for sharing. I know you said you had to get going at eight, eight your time, 12. <laughs> yes. Another kind of uh, technological uh, blessing huh? to be able to do this at such a distance. Exactly. Well, praise the Lord. I, I'm not thank that good so with I'm not good with technology and think my wife does. So she helps me into doing this. Yes. Well, let's do it another time because, uh, yeah, you need to hear the rest of the story. Exactly. I imagine there's <laughs> lots and lots to hear. Thank you so much, Joshua. Well, I appreciate that, uh, brother, and blessings to you and blessings to everybody in Canada. And I would like to give you, I, I want to recite a verse in the Bible in my language. Please do. John 3.16 God bless you, brother. You too. Thank you. This has been a broadcast of Arrowhead Radio, a ministry of Arrowhead Native Bible Center. For good Christian resources, visit our bookstore at wabanakibooks.com. Look for a new episode next week, wherever you find your favorite podcasts.